You got to put the mic through your head and out the back. You have to put it, I think, against your vocal cords. My forehead is super resonant, so I just put it up here. Like yeah, you got great sinuses. That's called, that's called your melon. Like a melon-based beluga. Yep. <laughs> Scotch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 86 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of... Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm the net netter. I'm Sam, and I'm the <laughs> art man. <laughs> and today is February. I'm Sam. <laughs> today is February fourteenth. Yeah, but what? Two thousand seventeen. What Wonopian day is it? Uh, today it was Wikiwary yesterday. Yeah, today's Boguary. Today's Boguary. everybody. Also, today's Valentine's Day. Wait yeah. a second. It was so. Boguary last one, too. Is, is Boguary on a one-week? No, last time it was Bogember. And, Bog-ember. Oh, crap, and somebody, right? somebody misnamed the podcast title. <laughs> Happy Boguary. <laughs> so this time, I don't know who did it, though. But more It was probably me. <laughs> but more importantly, today's Valentine's Day. So mm-hmm. make sure you spend some time... With your loved ones. Make sure you also spend some money on commercial goods. Yeah. And if you, don't, if you don't have a if you don't have a special someone, then happy Palentine's Day. Spend some time with your pals. Yeah. yeah. You know, You're our pals. Out, go out, be single, be ready to mingle. You know, <laughs> be ready to pal it up. And if you're off pal around town. And if you're pals. off alone and don't have pals around either. Yeah. Happy Selfentine's Day. Yeah. yeah. Just go get some ice cream. Take care of yourself. Happy ice cream, Netflix, and video games yeah. day. Play yeah. some video games. Life yeah. could be far worse than this. Mm-hmm. You could. Also, warning, anything could happen on this show. Uh, there's going to be profanity and other stuff, so stop listening. Okay. <laughs> what happened, you guys? <laughs> Just there's, quit it. There's a, we got a news piece. A single. I think we only one have one news solitary piece. drop one of news. Pe- we have a whole bunch of stuff happened last week, but we can't and won't talk about it. Yeah, so Ex- don't ask us. Except, shut it. Except, well, they have to because we told them to send questions. Oh, right. So, ask us about other things. Yeah. So ask us about other stuff. Uh, but more importantly, we got a new human mm. in the office. Yeah. Yet another butterscotch yeah. arrived. We're just, they're multiplying. Mm-hmm. And this time, we got ourselves a Monique. Mm-hmm. Monique mm-hmm. is- That's the job position. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we don't know what her name is, Yeah, but that's, <laughs> she does that. We were hiring well. for a Monique and got super good. Uh, yeah. So we, we had a job opening a little while back for what we're calling a studio wrangler. Cause we realized that, uh, with what, with what all is happening with Crashlands, um, and all the administration that comes with having a game that a lot of people are playing. Uh, you can't actually make new games anymore. You guys, we've been drowning. We've been drowning yep. in all kinds of admin stuff, and it's tax season. There's all kinds mm-hmm. of other stuff. Monique is, our, is supposed to be throwing us life rafts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's a she's a buoy that's yeah. going to keep us buoy in the keep ocean. us afloat, and it'll actually allow us to go full bore on making the next mm-hmm. game. Um, so she just started yesterday, mm-hmm. and yeah. she's already just crushing it. So She prepared this podcast, Doc, so we just got to walk in here and sit down. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Um, pretty sweet. So, and then I think we got GDC coming up. Yep. Sam's going to the Dice Awards. So there's all kinds of stuff. It's just, we're just getting just leveled by. Yeah. I've uh, basically just been working on talks. We, yeah. So we really need the help. Yeah. yeah. So welcome uh, Monique to the team. Yeah. And uh, she's, I think she's working on get her bio put together. We're going to put up a, a thing announcing she's here on the, on the blog. So probably by the time you listen to this. Uh, there'll be actual announcements up, presumably. Yeah, super pumped. And also, there's something else that happened. What else happened this past week? Uh, we put some dope ass fat heads on the oh, wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we got these. <laughs> so, also that phrase is what someone we were asking for news around the office. Someone was like, "Was it Andy?" Was like, I think it was Andy. What about those dope ass fat heads? And we're all just like. Yeah. Where, where the yeah. Well, even said I think it was yesterday when somebody suggested putting them up, and I, I just. I think I'd heard the term fathead two years ago when you got them or something, mm-hmm. but had, you know, fleeting. I had absolutely no recollection so what of what is that it? was at For all. Everybody who it's, know a, what a it's a wall sticker. It's is like it a, a company? It's a company. It's a company. It's called okay. Fathead. They make these vinyl wall stickery things that they, I don't know how they attach to the wall, but they, they magic onto the wall. They it's magic onto magic. the wall. Yeah. And then you, you just peel them off. It's not like a sticker. I don't they know. don't take the paint off. They don't even stick to the wall. They just yeah. are on the wall. Yeah. Also, they are not funding this podcast, but if they would like to, they could send us a contact request. A contact. Oh, we talk about dope ass fat heads all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I brought these two uh, from when, when I had the first transplant. I was going to be in the hospital for a month. Our mother was like, I can't be in this boring ass hospital cell because it's an adult hospital, which means everything's beige. 
So the floor is beige, the walls are beige, the ceiling is slightly off beige to yeah. give it some color. The air is even beige. The air yeah. feels beige. Yeah. And then when you breathe, you're like, <laughs> so she got, uh, she took some of Eric Hibbler's paintings that he had done for us about Crashlands and then about Flop Rocket. And now with, with Fathead, you can send them a thing that you want on the wall. And then and they can like, I don't know how they cut they it. Just make Same it. thing. They make, they cut it like perfectly. So we have a perfectly cut out flux on one wall. We got the crashed, sh- the crashed ship is now above the coffee maker. Mm-hmm. Um, where's Fluming the flop rocket? Is flop rocket here? No, you you got to bring your flop rocket still somewhere floating around oh, in God. your, in your debris cloud. All right. So <laughs> <searching> right <laughs> That's a good description for how to live my life. Like, it's just a cloud of debris behind me. Debris cloud. Yeah. Uh, so that's all, that's all, literally, that's all that has happened that we can. Oh, no, wait. There was one piece about. of news. Wait, what? The steam thing. Oh. Is it green light? Yet? Do we want to talk about Because they oh, haven't yeah, actually yeah, made right. a final decision about what They haven't made well, a final decision. They're going to do it. But there's some talks, it. which I think it came out on Thursday or Friday that yeah. uh, Valve has decided that they I are, knew something could happen. They're going like, to yeah. discontinue green light. And that's all, all that is known so far is that probably... They're going to trade Greenlight for just having an upfront fee that you pay to publish your game. Which is the same system that is used on Google Play and iTunes. Except on Google Play and iTunes, you pay an annual subscription right. to Instead be Instead of a developer. per application. Instead of per game, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which, this is the kind of thing that actually we've, ta- we've talked about and possibly advocated for experimenting with um, for the mobile market just because it's so flooded with, like when Flappy Bird came out, there was a new Flappy Bird clone every 20 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. And each one made zero dollars, of course, because right. except for a couple of them that made yeah. thirteen. Right. Um, right. And so, so the idea there is these, you know, these platforms uh, are commercial game platforms, and so people publish games on there um, and sell them. And so the idea is by by throwing a small barrier up front, say like a hundred dollars or something. Um, but it, yeah, it doesn't even need to be. I mean, it can be really small. To me, this is the interesting. Yeah, part if it was like fifty is, bucks or. Even or 30 shit, or 20. 20 yeah. uh, you just need some, you need something that makes that prevents people from just basically spamming this. Yeah. Cause if somebody, if somebody thinks, yeah, I'll just like throw something together in 15 minutes and put it up on Google play or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they are not confident that it's going to make more than $20, mm-hmm. then they are all of a sudden they have to give something up to do that. Yeah. Right. Well, so I mean, it cuts a, down a lot of people, those. especially the indie sphere, have been upset about this because of the, the notion that it's going to reduce the amount, the overall amount of diversity that you're seeing on platforms like, like steam, which is interesting, you know, they, they benefited actually hugely. And they've, they've, they noted in their, in their uh, process and talking about the reducing or turning off green light that, you know, well over is a hundred games or something like that have made over $200,000 in sales from who came from green light originally that they would not have gotten. Right. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, um, so in other words, it's not that it's, it's not that it's a bad system for the people it who it should be. It was two million. It was two million. Yeah. Two million. Yeah. Um. So it, the thing is, Greenlight's not a bad system for people who can who whose games can already like be sold. If that makes people sense. people who are making good games. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And this is this is basically what the problem is is, is you got to figure out how to put some sort of divider in there. And before it was just the case that if you didn't have a publisher, if you didn't have a direct contact at, at Valve or frankly anywhere, that you just couldn't get your game put anywhere, which meant that everybody was left out in the cold. Um, and so a lot of the response from, I think, a, a good portion of the indie community has been this sort of, there's the two responses. There's the one that's more like ours, which is like, yeah, a small barrier to entry seems like a good thing because if it costs like 100 bucks, 200 bucks to throw a game up on the store, if you don't think your game's going to get that much money back, then it should yeah. go and I think I think the big, the big argument against it is the issue of people who can't get that money, mm-hmm. right? Um, which I'm actually, I, I understand the concern, but at the same time, because of things like being able to find publishers, um, like if you have a, a really good thing that you made, and you're putting it on a commercial platform to sell it, um, you will you will have had to have spent at minimum hundreds of hours making that thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you, you can't spare another like five of them. Well, it's not, it's not a question of time so much, I think, because like a lot of times people will have, like, if, if they are already struggling to get by, they may not have the extra time to try to like get some extra cash or something. Uh, Although now they're done making that game that they were They're done making the game, so they're freeing up time. Yeah. It's it's an interesting conundrum of sort of having people who are, who somehow have a lot of time to spend making a high quality commercial, commercially viable game, but also don't have the time to have have a hundred dollars. There's an interesting thing though that's been happening, which is I think the reality is that, that I think, I don't know if it's because of the general American culture, but we want to think that everything is for everyone all the time. 
that there's like yeah. no, that it's pure merit based and that there's no barriers at all. Um, the reality of course is that once you get into business and once you, once you uh, like get into your field or else <clears throat> is that you realize that it's not so much about merit as you once, you know, bright eyed assumed <laughs> it was, it is much more about, about who, you know, the connections you have and then uh, the capital you have behind your ideas. You can have two people who have the same great idea, but if someone has the extra couple hundred bucks to their name, they're going to be able to do it. Well, there's before. a, I mean, there's a problem with, with a meritocracy, which is that somebody has to evaluate merit. Yeah, right? exactly. And this is what, so this is one, one interesting point I saw when I thought it was a pretty good caveat that they were pointing out is that, is that Steam's not, not increasing their curation. They're just yeah. putting a paywall up. And the point the person made was like, this isn't going to necessarily. This isn't going to make the games better. It's just no, it's actually make their, it's not at all because well, it's yeah. going to it's going to filter out the small number of sort of like joke games, right. basically. People right. who like through like there's a, there's a game on Steam Greenlight called Gabe Newell Simulator, right? Where it's just like a bunch of memes that somebody slapped together and then right. put it up on Greenlight, and everybody's like, "Ha yeah!" and everybody votes yes, and now this is a thing on Steam, right. <laughs> yeah. uh, which nobody would actually spend money on it, uh, but it's a funny joke thing, right? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, interestingly, other games are other commercial games are competing with this thing for store space. Right. So I think that that's the only valid criticism I've seen so far. Is their whole point? Their whole point was the store needs more curation, not necessarily. And this, which is supposed to be a, a, fi- a and good this, barrier. Well, this it, this not only to me this doesn't this actually isn't a, adding a barrier at all because there currently is a barrier. It's called green light. Right. right. That barrier is you have to make a polished enough marketable product that you can get through. Or something with enough dank memes in it. Right. right. Well, actually, yeah. and that, and that's something that I, I want to <laughs> circle back on also. Yeah. Uh, because to me, this is solving a problem in the weirdest way possible because uh, they already have a solution in place that's just implemented weirdly and they could just implement it slightly differently. But we'll come back to that. Okay. The main thing is if you if you replace a system where people have to vote for your product, meaning you have to go in some capacity, try to market a thing and put together a store page and all that kind of stuff with one where you just get to put some money in and then have it on the market, which again is how mobile works right now, mm-hmm. right? Is yeah. there actually is no barrier to entry. The barrier is, is that financial $20 a year, but, but that's the same, that's the same idea as saying, cause again, this is, this is a matter of like putting amounts of time into things and having access mm-hmm. to funds, and that kind of stuff. And if that, if the amount of funds required is low enough, meaning on the order of like a hundred dollars, right. Uh, then if you can put together a polished product that is commercially viable, somehow you must also have a way to get enough money scraped together mm-hmm. to have to hit right. that minimum threshold to get into it. Right. So I don't think it's a real barrier at all, actually. Right. And in fact, the reason that our company started was because there was no barrier, you know, quote unquote on mobile, because all we had to do was pay a small fee and now we could just publish our yeah, stuff. We didn't have to, we didn't have to wait for a green light campaign. Right. This, so this get, is actually, we, got, we actually, Talfight did. Talfight got destroyed yeah. on, on green light. On green light. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this is actually right. a good point. But, right. Right. Actually, but rightfully, it rightfully shouldn't yeah. have been on. Which, right. is, then, which is, is then exactly the point, which yeah. is actually now there's, this is not going to, this, I don't think this is going to remove garbage from the store at all. Mm-hmm. It's going to, I think, open the floodgates actually more to, to garbage. It's just going to allow people, it's, it's going to become the equivalent of what the, well, it, it, it takes, it takes away no the gatekeeper, right? Because yeah, no the community was the gatekeeper. Yeah. So now they, here's the, they would just say, and they were no, occasionally no, no, no. insane. And sometimes right. they would, they would vote in a thing that probably they shouldn't have, right. Right. like towel fight. Interesting. <laughs> but, then, but, here's, but here's the piece of that is, is, unless like, so I, I don't think this is actually, I don't think steam and I can't remember. I, I read their post about this, but I can't remember what their rationale was for why they were doing this. Uh, but there's no way it's about reducing, uh, or about making it more difficult for people to enter the the thing. It's actually, it has to be the opposite because what they have in place right now is a system where, uh, and, and we don't know the details. And if we did, we probably wouldn't be allowed to say them of how like green light works exactly. Mm, right. um, what we do know though, is that many, many games that we have seen when we're, cause we're like looking at the numbers, trying to get a sense of this when we were doing research before we launched Crashlands and so on. Many games have more, many more uh, no votes than yes votes, yep. but still get through green light right. because what steam was evaluating wasn't whether or not these were good products. It was whether or not people would buy them. Mm-hmm. So the idea was presumably if you accumulate enough yes votes, that's enough people who will buy the game that it's now worth. Mm. And if you think about out. it, if you think about it from just like a business angle, yep. the question, the question that, that valve must've been answering then was, are we going to make money off this game? Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's the question. And so if you just bypass that question entirely and just say, guarantee now, money, made now off the yes, game. because you have to give us money mm. to put it up. Right. Right? So at least you cover so, their costs. <laughs> well, so what about, what about this idea of, so, so I see what you're saying. If the cost to get in is like 50 bucks or hundred mm-hmm. bucks per game. Right. What if, because the thing is they've, the, the numbers that are, that they're entertaining are between a hundred and five thousand dollars. Yeah. Per game. Yeah. So, so it's 5,000. So what if it's 5,000? Yeah, so exactly. If it's 5,000, that does now absolutely, 
become a barrier to entry yeah. because mm-hmm. the, the kind of team, like a small team like ours, for example, like if we were back in the towel fight two days, that would have been we most were, of our money. Actually, yeah, it, it would have been, been almost all our money. money. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it would have been, and we actually wouldn't have been able to then, we wouldn't have had enough money left to launch Quadrupus Rampage. And since towel fight was a complete disaster, right. That would have, the company would have been gone at mm-hmm. that point. Right. So, so that's enough of a threshold to bankrupt a small company. Yep. Uh, and only give them one shot because it can cost on the order. Cause it can't like a few hundred bucks, right. Uh, is nothing compared to the cost of making a commercial product right, for right? months and months for and months, months and months. Yeah. A few thousand dollars starts to become. That's something. That's something. Similar, well, right? Especially for your, the, the whole point is that small indie teams. So that's a shitload of money. Yeah. I mean, to I me, mean, the, to us, me the bigger question. Dev time. Yeah. Two months. Crashlands yeah. are being. Quadrupus and Telefight took just three two months. and a half months yeah. to make. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. So uh, that's a whole game that we don't get to make. But to me, yeah. the question is like, what, what is the, what is the, you know, quote unquote paywall actually do? Mm-hmm. Like honestly, like, what does it do? What is its purpose? And I think that's the part that, that to me is just still, because it's unclear to me on the, on the other stores as well, why that's there, except just to say that it, it costs the company something. I remember like, it costs the company stuff to host those Yeah, these companies and- aren't fucking like. They're not charities. They're not charities, yeah. right? <laughs> they're, they're, they exist to make money. And more importantly, when you put something up on their service, it costs them money. They have mm-hmm. to now maintain this thing that you that you have made and put up there. So there there is some cost to to Steam and to you know to Valve to let us you know us measly small time developers right put our put our products up on their store. So they actually are taking a risk every time they do this. And further, you're now because you're now going into a pool where you're competing with other stuff. Every time they show your game instead of somebody else's, right? Uh, they are now taking a risk on you because people have limited attention. They will only look at a few games before they stop looking. So if Steam's going to put yours in the queue, you'd better fucking sell that game, right? right? For for Steam. Otherwise, and this is why they knock you out. This is why they have, it's all algorithm based, right? right. If, if your game doesn't sell, you're going to get knocked down to the bottom of the charts and rightly so because you're competing with for attention it's it's with zero, everybody. It's a feature spots or a zero sum game. They absolutely if are. you get a feature spot, nobody else has it's it. It's because attention... And- Player attention or consumer attention is a is a super limited resource. Well, so this is interesting though because in light of the discovery update, the two uh-huh. they did, um, what they've essentially been doing is moving toward a place where that that whole idea of zero sum featuring is not the case. Right, but it still because is though because you can is. only go through some number. Yeah, of things. it still is. But that the fact that they then augment every single person's stores according to their tastes, whatever they bought before, means that there's essentially more feature spots, right, highly targeted that are available. Right. So it reduces it reduces the kick out, right, where it's like you're not replacing every single game like you are on iTunes yep. if you're in one of the top five banner spots. You're replacing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think just thinking about it from if if you were in Valve's position. And seeing how, because of things like Game Maker, Unity, Unreal Engine, all these things, every day more and more games are being made than than the day before, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so looking at at the mobile marketplace and just how, because there are no barriers to to entry, yep, um, or what's there is amounting it's to something minimal like, barrier, yeah, like thirty cents a day or something mm-hmm. like that to be a developer on those platforms or less. Um, and so, because of that, you just end up with this this exponentially increasing uh, group uh, or, you know, portfolio of games available. And, you know, a couple of years ago, the term indie apocalypse started coming about because people started noticing that on steam, the, the rate of growth of games being published, the rate has been the same actually, but it's starting to hit a, a critical mass where there's enough games coming out that people are starting to feel like their games aren't going to get noticed. Right. Um, that's true. They, they can't get noticed. Right. And so, but running, interestingly, you know, running the, the numbers on it, it basically comes out to, uh, there's the same number mm-hmm. of highly successful games every year. But that's a, that's a, that's an issue of featuring. Right. Yes. Right. Well, exactly. It's an issue yeah. of featuring and it's an issue of like, there's still a bunch of quality games coming out, you know, all that stuff. Um, so if you assume that it's sort of like a lottery, you know, it's kind of random basically, which mm-hmm. is not a fair which assumption not necessarily, fair, but, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but if you just say, okay, if there's, if there's 10,000 games coming out this year, uh, and I'm one of those, then my, my chance of being noticed is much lower versus if there's, 10 games coming out mm-hmm. this year. And I'm one of those. Yeah, well, it it has to do with the relationship between the number of things coming out, their relative quality. So people just being willing to buy them and the number of, and the, the amount of available f- feature marketing. spots, marketing, yeah. marketing capacity yeah. for them. Because basically the, the thing that has happened very recently is that the games coming out on steam have saturated steam's marketing capacity. Right. Right. And so what, so what they're, so I think this is the, this is the point I was going to try to hit, which is, I don't think it's a, it's a quality barrier. I don't no. think, I think it's just purely a throttle. It's purely a barrier. Yeah. It's a throttle. Like they're, just, they're just trying, trying to put up a wall. A bit, right? It's yeah. like a dam, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To stop the flow because uh, they want it to be the case that, that 
people who put games on there are serious about it. Um, they've made a, a their commercial enough, product, their commercial product. They've yeah. made a high quality enough uh, thing that they can at least, for example, get a publisher who will front the, you know, the, the barrier, the fee, if the, if the developer themselves can't do it or whatever it is, but they want people who have made good stuff and are determined mm-hmm. to sell it. Yep. Um, and that's what the, I think, I think, the the thing is also, is. I'm, I'm sure it's going through their minds that they're not able, steam is not going to be able to do what it wants for developers, which is to help them sell games. If, if there, if there's a hundred thousand of more, them, yeah, if there's that many games, coming, yeah. I think that's one of the interesting things like viewing it actually as a throttling mechanism is probably the, the more appropriate mm-hmm. way to think about it. Cause that's, it's not, it's not about curation. It's, uh, it's scarcely about keeping, but it is, I mean, it is, it is about keeping people out, but not in the, not in the sense I think people are necessarily putting on it um, from a money standpoint, but just, just as a throttle. So that it's, yeah, it's just, it's just how remain. could you possibly handle that many yeah, developers? You just yep. can. And I think the, the call for the constant call for curation also comes down to something we talk about a lot in house, which is, you know, what do we want to be doing with our time? Cause I'm sure at valve, they're not like, yeah, let's start a department with like 500 people who just have to play. Well, we just dig garbage. through these games. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and I try think to it, find the one out of a yeah, hundred. And it reminds good. me of uh, that law of something, guys, but I think it was Shepherd's Law or something like that. Right on Wikipedia the other day. It's just 90% of everything is garbage. Just everything. <laughs> 90% of everything. If you look at just any any population if you of just books, pick any random book. Movies, human beings, maybe. I don't know. Um, 90% of everything is garbage. Dark. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, in whatever dimension you're looking at. And, uh, and I think this is kind of that point, which is that it's just not the case that that it's not the case that there's been so many more great games coming out. It seems, but then there's been so many more not good games. Now I'm out. actually I'm wondering. There's kind of an interesting. I think that there's something that they're doing in st- outside of the fee, which is the more important thing that's going to do all the things that we're talking about. Which is that uh, they're going to require like when you go sign up for being a, a developer on the platform, basically you have to provide all your company info. Oh yeah. Which you currently, yeah. And currently on steam, there's no, you don't have to be a company to sell stuff on steam and being a company is actually, that's going to be a huge barrier. Like the main barrier you need. It doesn't actually take that much to do. It's $150. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't take that much to do, but, but somebody has to be serious enough to actually go through the work of doing all that stuff. Right. I didn't even think about that. So, so, so just by doing that alone, that's um, already something that's already probably going to be the the biggest thing is that is now only people who are at least, supposedly approaching this thing commercially, right? I mean, as we talked about a lot, most people don't know what they're doing. And so they, they have really unrealistic expectations. So they'll go start a company anyway and try to sell their games that aren't very good in a saturated market, you know, so that that'll still be happening, but it'll be cut down enormously. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like if somebody goes through the effort of making a game for a couple months, even if they're still kind of like when we were working on Talfight at the beginning, we had no idea we were doing it. We weren't like, we weren't making high quality stuff that should have been on steam. Right. But if we hit that point, we're like, okay, our game's done. And then we go to publish it. We're like, oh crap, we have to have a, an LLC. I don't think mm-hmm. at that point we'd be like, well, I guess that's it right. then. And just walk away. Like, yeah, it, right. But that's because you're taking, because we're, we're but so this will kick out it. stuff yeah. like, you know, like hobby projects and student projects, things that were, cause there actually is the case. And, and we've, we've seen this in, in, uh, in schools that are teaching game design, right? Where your class project or your, your end of term project or whatever is to make a game and publish it. It's like, put it up on put Google on play light. somewhere where there are on green light, like somewhere where there's, there's basically no barrier to entry and where the thing that you've made because it's a student project is guaranteed to not be a commercially viable thing. Right. And sort of the assumption here is that these, is that, is that these platforms exist and by their existence, just give you the right to put your stuff on them. Right. For whatever reason you want. Right. I think the whole point is that everything is not for everyone. And I think, which isn't, I mean, yeah, it's not necessarily know. a question of like, of taking sides or fairness or whatever. It's that everybody has their own interests that they're trying to protect. Mm-hmm. And in this case, um, you know, valve is, is probably just getting utterly flooded with games yeah. and they don't know what to do about it. Understandably. And they're going to start trying some things. Yeah. So, We'll it's an see. interesting situation. We'll see what happens. Yep. All right, let's get let's get on to some questions. Okay. Uh, so these questions come from Bscotch ID users, and if you want to ask a question on the podcast, you can go to podcast.bscotch.net. Our first question of the day comes from One Dead Saint. Mm. One Dead Saint asks. Have you guys thought about getting some Crashlands characters into Rocket League Ooh. as some sweet antenna unlocks? Because that would be amazing. Not only have we thought about this. We tried. We, tried to make <laughs> we it actually happen. already tried to uh, do this. It turns out our potatoes are too small. We got small potatoes. Yeah. Uh, They're like, what the fuck is Crashlands? Like, it's, it's a game. 
It's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Characters would look great on there. Like, yeah. Oh. I mean, we're not, we're not big enough that we would, the, I think, I think the position we're in is we're small enough that if we did it, we would have to demonstrate to, you know, psionics that we could push it to our people and get a, like a surge of, of, you know, interest in rocket league or whatever from our players. Although I, 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 I don't buy that because there's not a chance because they've got like Warframe and stuff, right? And yeah, Warframe but they, but is they, enormous. But what are the, like, honestly, if Warframe sent out a newsletter to his people and was like, hey, you can go see our toppers in Rocket League, what's that fucking conversion rate? It's got to <laughs> be <laughs> basically zero. Conversion rate between two completely well, no, but, I mean, uh, different But uh, yeah. the, the conversation we had with them basically amounted to them um, uh, requiring us to do a cross promo, you know, where right. we would have to put Rocket League stuff into Crashlands. Right, which is definitely pointless. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but we it's still like pointless. It probably, it's probably pointless in both directions. It's just a cool oh, thing we want like, yeah. to yeah, do. We yeah, because because we we've now done enough cross promo stuff ourselves within our own universe, right? Mm-hmm. That we know how fucking hard it is to get somebody who even is supposedly into the stuff that you do to be into more stuff that you do. Right? Yeah. What's our what's our conversion rate between games now? Uh, and in the bet the best case scenario is eight percent. That's with our own games and our That's own with our universe. own games <laughs> and giving you perks between where them. one of those games is free. Yeah. So yeah. instead, you're just like if instead you, all it amounts to is you being like, "Hey, here's a thing that exists." Yeah, that's probably. Yeah. So that's yeah, probably so not yeah, good. it's. I mean, but but I still like I could get the spirit. It's it's sort of it's to me it's more of like a basically just saying like yeah we're gonna go out of our way to do something uh, costly to us in return for you doing something costly to you. To me, to me that's all it actually does. Although I imagine they have a marketing team that thinks this actually does sure. something. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. For for me, it was basically just a matter of I love Rocket League. Yeah, I think it's a super cool game. Yep, and I think we probably have a number of fans who also already play Rocket League. Yeah, and it would be super cool for them to be able to you know slap a, a juice box on top of their Rocket League antenna yeah. or something. Yeah, we only we won't, mostly wanted to do it so that when we play Rocket League, that we can drive around with juice boxes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's literally the that only reason was, we're like we're willing to do whatever. We're like we'll needed. give you a three D model. We'll have it built for you. Yeah, yeah. we will. We will do it. Um, but no, yeah, we. I mean, we tried. It didn't fly. Maybe next game. You know. Yeah, well, I Maybe guess next we game could, we can get a Shalok and tennis yeah. hopper. Yeah, we should, we should actually we should probably ask them what kind of cross promo they would want in the next game. So we can mm, just build do it game. in advance. Yeah, get some yeah, rocket yeah, buddy. level type. So we'll yeah. see. Yeah. Uh, it's but apparently you know like and, and this is kind of something we talked about last week about the the problems of sort of like licensing IPs between games and stuff like that and studios and there's it's it's not as easy as just kind of sending an email and being like hey we have this like 3d model of this character would you be down to put it on your antenna because then all of a sudden they're like well we got to get our lawyers in on this and we're like we got to get our lawyers in on this yeah. and then it's but on top of that it's also it's work for everybody yeah right? it's, it's not just like you don't just put it in there it's, it's many know? hours of administration and planning yeah. and well, i think uh, it's interesting because like what if it was a slick process I think it doesn't have to be. Well, yeah, because well, yeah. we've, we've actually we've done cross promo with fellow small indies, yeah. right? And that was a slick. Yep. We put like, we're uh, in Moody Dungeon. We're in Cards and Castles. Yep. Yeah, Flux Flux has made appearances in some other games. Yeah. yeah, and but that was still that required them to make art assets and do all this kind of stuff to right. do it. It wasn't a trivial. And we had to write up a contract. Process. We wrote up a contract and. But I'm saying, what if you designed a pipeline? Like, especially in Rocket League's case, where they have these toppers. Yeah, yeah, they should like, have a they pipeline. They should just have a pipeline. They should just, just, they should just charge a $100 fee for you to put your I content. I would totally pay to put juice yeah, content. I would, I would, I would totally do it. <laughs> yeah. Let's you know, do it. Or maybe they should have some kind of a process mm, like where a maybe like a, like a voting community mm, yeah. votes. Yeah. Uh, based on the like number a, of yeses. But yeah, not I don't know what you would call that. But it's an idea. Yeah, if we pull from like the film industry, when you like you submit projects and there's like a there's like, a light. there's like a light that has a color to it. Like a traffic yeah. light. I don't know. What? It's hard to say what like that a green would be light. Maybe like a, a green, like a green. Okay. <laughs> that's where it comes from. Uh, Wait, really? That's where it comes that's from? That's where it comes from, yeah. That's where it comes from. I don't, you can get your pilot, you can get a show green light. You still, and they literally turn a green light on? I don't know, I don't know if they turn a green light okay. on. I'm just saying that's, that's just a, you can also get You can <laughs> also get red lit, which is a lot more discouraging. How incredible would It's just a reference be? of traffic lights. If yeah. you were in the middle of your production and they had like, a, there's just a huge floodlight in the studio. And it suddenly turns and red. And then they either, they either flip it red or green whenever they decide. It's it like sounds like a reality factor. show. Yeah. <laughs> like the whole thing turns green. You're like, uh, yes. What if it goes yellow though? Are you like, what is this? They're like, are we about slow to, down. Are we about to get hit by another show? Are we <laughs> somewhere we aren't supposed to be? Who has right of way here? Anyway. Alan Falcon asks, hey, hey, is the BS compendium still a plan? Maybe. Uh, so we're it's drowning. not, not a plan. It was never a plan. True. It, it was, was an idea yeah. that we that we would like to do. Uh, Maybe. The, fir- the first phase <laughs> of the BS, so the, for reference, the BS compendium was the idea of compiling all of our lore stuff 
into a single app. And probably B-Scotch ID sort of. And, and have it tied to B-Scotch ID and stuff. Alone. So, you know, ideally we could do stuff like unlock comic books if you complete a particular quest chain mm-hmm. in, in a game or and something vice like versa. that. Or vice versa. Like you read a comic and then one of the characters appears in one of the games and is like, hey, buddy. And then they got quests for you. Um, that's how literally every quest will start, mm-hmm. by yeah. the way. Hey buddy, hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. I got a quest for you. <laughs> uh, so that's something that we've talked about in the past and it's something we we still, I would say, intend to do, but there is no plan yeah. in place. Correct. Um, and so right now it's just a matter of we need to get our house in order. Yeah. We got a lot of stuff that we're being buried by. Guys just got to cheer on Monique while she yeah. gets our chaos yeah. corralled. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we'll see. And we'll, you know, if it does start to come into fruition, we will definitely be talking about right. it. So you'll you'll hear about it. Our next question comes from August. Like, like August, month? but with a SK in front of it. <laughs> yeah, so so it's, it's either Skogust or Skogust. Mm. I don't know. Maybe it's German. Skogust <laughs> uh, says, Skogust. a few podcasts ago, you mentioned a lot was learned about the genre of hack and slashes from jamming out a hack and slash game. Mm. Care to share? What did we learn? I didn't learn anything. So this is on you guys. Adam now. didn't learn anything. So what we did, As we, per usual. We, yeah, <laughs> I can't learn. Uh, so Sam and I, we, we started experimenting and playing different hack and slash games and putting together a hack and slash prototype to try to see what, what good. So the basic problem we found is that in games like, actually, we should probably ask before, what, what is hack and slash? What it's, is, what defines sort of that a, genre? It's generally a top down perspective. Okay. Generally. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of like all the, the games that we already make. Uh-huh. And uh, you are a character. It's usually RPG focused. So you, you know, you have like a levels and stuff. Yeah. And your character will usually have a few abilities that they can use. And you just sort of go around and just. You're like a mower. You're like a lawnmower. Okay. So it's and about just fighting hordes of things. Fighting hordes of enemies. But it's not a bullet hell. No. Because right. sometimes it might kind but of But those are close like together. Yeah. Right. So a hack okay. and slash is typically more, you are more tanky and you just, you get hit by stuff a lot. And it's through um, clever management of your stats, as well as things like healing potions and your abilities. And that's what keeps you alive. So it's not okay. about, it's not about skillfully evading there's usually stuff. very limited abilities. So right. the best examples in this genre are something like Diablo 2. Diablo, yeah. Torchlight. Torchlight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess a bullet hell is probably a lot more about evasion. Yes. A bullet hell well, it's more about bullets. Because well, I mean there is that. And well, a, hell. a bullet hell is really <laughs> is really a hack and slash at range. Right. And yeah, where you're fr- where you're probably a fragile character. Yeah. Um and yeah, it's all about dodging. So so this is sort of basis of a hack and slash. And going into it, we were like, okay, we know what what have we done with because all of our all of our games before we've had one sort of common problem. We couldn't quite figure out what the deal was, where you know, we wanted to make these really unique enemies that you would fight. In every single game. So in Quadrupus, for example, every single enemy does something different. In Tau Fight, actually, which has like 18 enemies, all of them do something completely different. I think actually 29. 29? Yeah. yeah. Really? Some ridiculous Every matters. enemy has a totally unique attack. Yeah. And in uh, Crashlands, we did the same thing. So every single enemy has a completely different attack. So if you're fighting a Wampet, it's very different than fighting a, a, a Shirk or whatever else. And the reasoning behind this was that we wanted to keep the game world interesting, keep the player on their toes. But we did not foresee was that we essentially have a many-to-one or a one-to-many problem. What I mean by that is you can only have complexity on one side of the equation when it comes to players versus enemies. And so if the enemies are hyper-complex in terms of how they approach you, where if you're fighting like three of them at once and they're all three doing completely different things most of the time. And if you can only do a few things. And if you're only limited to do a few things, which is the case in something like Crashlands, mm-hmm. um, then even if it's the case in Crashlands where we give you a bunch of different what feel like options for approaching those things like flamethrowers, blow guns, whatever. It all comes out the same. At the end of the day, it's actually, it actually has to be the same because we have, we've put so much complexity on one side that it sort of forces you need you to be able to, to be deal. Simple. You need to be able to deal with anything, right? Which means your toolkit has to be easily accessible, not, not too many skills. Um, and needs to allow you to deal with every iteration yeah. of all the crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's going it essentially forces you to generalize. So you, so you have to become a very genericized character. Right. And so a lot of people, one thing that we heard from people was, was the want, people have a natural want when they play RPGs to specialize, right? It's like a fun thing. I'm going to do poison damage or whatever. And then you start building in that direction. And we got this comment from people who were playing Crashlands who, who liked that they could do that, but then would also oftentimes follow it up with like, so I, you know, I did all this, but at the end of the day, it doesn't, it doesn't really seem like it changed my like approach. I'm using poison now instead of fire, but. It's kind of the same. Just kind of, so what? Although, how much does this also do with the presence of multiplayer? Where specialization, 
allows allows oh, a, yeah. a general strategy across the group where everybody in the group has specialized. Yeah, so yep. it, it can matter a ton. And I yeah. guess the, the way I think about it is if you have a single-player game, you have there's a depth of, of specialization available, but it still has to cover certain bases. But if you have multiplayer then you can actually completely silo off certain specialties uh, from one another. But not so for completely example, unless it's exclusively multiplayer. Right. So, for example, you can have a class that literally only has healing spells right. if you have a pure multiplayer game. Right. Um, which obviously would not be viable in the context of needing to kill stuff yeah. ever. So so, so we, we built this hack and slash game and we sort of, we're, you know, we're teasing, just looking at what we built with Crashlands and a few of our other games and then looking at Diablo and Seth pointed out that, you know, what's the first thing you do in Diablo? You walk outside of, into the blood more in Diablo 2. Mm-hmm. And you punch a zombie, and there's just it's just one zombie. This isn't like there's no hordes happening. It's just yep. one zombie. He doesn't even do anything special. He's just like you hit Ugh. it, it hits you. You hit it, it hits you. Then it dies. Yeah, yep. It breaks in half. <laughs> and sometimes like some money pops. It's out. very anticlimactic. And as you run around for those first like six levels or so, actually, that's all that happens. Like that's all the enemies do. There's the fallen. There's the Goatmen. There's all sorts of They all enemies. just walk up to you and hit you, and you hit yep. them, and they hit you. And so we realized, <laughs> we were like, what's happening? Um, because it seemed like we started seeing that actually the vast majority of enemies in these hack and slash games do the same thing. They just walk they up to you, you and hit you. They just hit you. They yeah. walk the difference up is sometimes they swing slower and hit harder, and sometimes they move faster or slower. And sometimes they take more or less damage. Sometimes they take more or less damage. And then occasionally, occasionally, like one, some, some rough percentage of the whole population of enemies has special abilities right where they might use them mixed in with also walking up and hitting you in the face or are they apply a dot to you or something they're at range and they're like fucking you up at range or, I think or you have interesting enemies. things like uh there's the fallen the fallen characters in diablo where they just walk up to you and hit you and there's tons of them and then they'll throw in one fallen shaman that will, that, that will resurrect yeah, and yeah, also right. shoots fireballs. So you get fireballs to dodge. You, right. Yeah. Right. you can't so, handle those. So, so it's basically the idea is there that. Wait, that's that, a very memorable because I remember, I still remember fighting those things. So you're always trying to get after the shaman. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so it's actually the case away. that yeah. in Hack and Slash, the, the vast majority of enemies that you fight, probably 95% um, are just there to sort of like get in your way right. and provide you with something to hit. And then you mix in these more interesting enemies that are sort typically of, ranged right. that do some extra stuff. Maybe they provide an aura. So you know, in, they buff. in combo, they do something. To yeah. Their, and so it's yeah. all about, it's all about providing the, the player with um, sort of decisions in the moment about, about whether to f- like mow Who down the hordes right. or to go after the. And actually, I think in, uh, in Diablo three, I think they made that even more generic. So, so I guess adding, adding a combinatorial explosion by making it so that those ran, that, that those, uh, those sometimes things you see, you know, where they get the special characters mm-hmm. or special enemies with some sort of ability seem to now be randomly applied to every kind of enemy. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So that you can now meet an enemy of one type versus an enemy of another type that both have the same set of special skills actually, right. because they just, it's a thing applied on top yeah. of the baseline. And then you also sometimes get like enemies that are ethereal or something. Right. They can only be. But any magic. enemy type could be ethereal. Exactly. Right? Right. So they basically made it so that there's a small number of enemy types that all do the same thing, which is either and just hit you or have some sort of a range attack. Right. And that's it. Very simple. And then they have a set of random higher level abilities that they can just apply. Yeah, so, so that, that's, that, that was, I think, the core thing we learned was that it's all about lots of enemies where almost all of them are super, super dumb yeah, because it's very simple to well, fight. Because yeah. what that does, and it's the important thing, is that lack of complexity on that end makes it such that the character can become very complex. Right. So you can shoot so, those enemies with fireballs. Yeah, you can shoot you with fireballs. With you could have a skeleton army that attacks them. Mm-hmm. You could... A, an army of dumb skeletons yeah, that just walk up and hit things. Exactly, <laughs> very dumb skeletons. Um, you could be a whirlwind barbarian. It's like the whole, the whole idea is that you can you can't have complexity on both sides that feels really good at least or if you do it's got to be balanced really carefully yeah, it's hard to do i yeah. guess is probably the better point yeah, um, work and, and the re- and the reason that we that we did this um was we have been really wanting to make a game where a player can specialize mm-hmm. and we were like okay we're making quadrupus 2 we want to focus on character classes and the first thing we did is we were like okay we want to, we want to revisit all the old enemies and bring them in and, and sort of update them and so we started thinking about what other ki- types of things a character could do and we made a we made a second character and we started playing around with what abilities they would have and stuff. And their abilities always ended up being almost exactly like tax mm-hmm. abilities because, because with it the, couldn't with be the, anything else. Yeah, with the suite of enemies we created, we created sort of a combat ecosystem that the player had to be able to thrive in. And there's just a very particular set of skills that you need, much like <laughs> Liam Neeson, right? right. <laughs> right. And so, uh, yeah, so that was it. Was, it was good. It was a good jam. Yeah, it was we a lot. So, so yeah, we the the approach now is a, a big batch of 
basically melee focused enemies that approach you slightly differently, have different swing speeds, that sort of thing. Um, but otherwise that players get to mess walk with, up to you and hit you yeah, in different so. ways. And so we already have uh, three of the character classes done. Um, four of them. Four. Oh yeah. Yeah, um, nice. yeah, we don't have the, the fourth. Are we going to start uh, now? Now that we have Monique here, who's handling, who's, she's going to do awesome work of just taking care of all the mis- miscellany. Because mm-hmm. um, we stopped doing our Friday updates that we used to do. I think once once GDC is done, then we're because okay. then like there's because <laughs> well, Seth, Seth was showing us yesterday. He's been taking now daily screenshots yeah. Oh, yeah. of game progression. Which so I think if we chose one every week, yeah, and didn't I think the key is we have to literally say nothing about it. Just put up the screenshot and just be like, here's like here's some here's, here's, a, here's a little snapshot of this week in, yeah. in dev, right? Yeah, I think I think we're once we get back from GDC, we have we have nothing. There's there's nothing on the right, <laughs> and we're just gonna be making. We're game. gonna get yeah, we're gonna go so hard on this thing, and we're gonna see how fast we can. Start pumping it It'll up. It'll be like that time when we went skiing and we all got sunburn and windburn at the same time and our faces swelled up. Yeah. That's how intense it's going to yeah. be. <laughs> Just from the, from the, the action flying past. Yeah. We're going to, next time you guys see us, your skin. our face will be unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. It's going to be swollen lumps of red. But you'll have a great game in your hand. It'll be good. <laughs> uh, next question comes from BabooTube. Mm, that's a good one. BabooTube says... How do you pronounce Hugo Duco? All right, well, that's answered. Done. Uh, Done. Next question comes from <laughs> Slepemis120. <laughs> Slepemis120 says, so I was wondering why Talfight 2 isn't available in every country. I am from Serbia, by the way. Thanks. Oh, yeah. So now it is. Uh, it is now. We Sam, checked, Sam checked the box. We checked the box. So well. literally there's a, so for those of you who don't know how the back end of these systems work. Uh, there's a box. There's a box and you check it and then it's available in your country. Uh, there are certain rules in certain countries. And so we actually, like, we can't distribute in uh, through Google Play in China, in Iran, like a bunch of different places. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's, they're literally, like, they have boxes there, but it's crossed out. For reasons that I don't know, they don't tell you why. <laughs> They're so, just acknowledging that the country it is there. That country yeah, exists. Probably, well, I, I mean, I know exactly why. Which is that otherwise developers spam them with requests, being like, "I can't find China in this list." Mm, I said, right. like, "Well, put so it there." So they put it there and then crossed it out. <laughs> so, uh, so we actually we read this question this morning, and then we were like, "Hey, why isn't it?" We were like, "We haven't, looked at, <laughs> we haven't looked at the distribution list for Talfight. I think it's three years, probably." Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I just popped in there, scrolled down, went to the S section. Check Serbia. Serbia yep. And then check. So it's it. probably the case Did that when we launched Talfight, for whatever reasons, some deal between Google and Serbia, <laughs> they couldn't distribute there. And some in the intervening three years, that box became available. So we checked it yeah. this morning. So go did you knock actually yeah, did you check in Quadruplus? Is it available? Quadruplus? Uh, that's available a good question. Yeah. Uh, go ahead and ask a, again podcast question <laughs> next week. Yeah, remind need, us next week. If you need Quadruplus, go ahead and send yeah, it. If you need, yeah, if you question. need if you need a game. On Google Play, that's not available in your country, and your country is not China or Iran. Just send us a podcast. Send us a question. podcast question. <laughs> See what uh, you do. Our right, next question comes from Arcarnix. Arcarnix says, "What is the process from to of recording <laughs> to end of upload of the podcast?" Okay, I think I understand. And how long does it take? <laughs> So it used to take, uh, so let's, let's, all right. So I think the question is basically like, how do we record the podcast? And, and then well, it was a full process end? question, right? Yeah. So, so it used to be for the first, I think 20 episodes, we did it ourselves ish. It was 15 or 20. Was it more than that? Yeah. So for the first while it was just, it was just us. What we would do is we would all get on Skype together and then we would, uh, Seth and I would usually be in the same room. I think we would oftentimes have the laptop and then we'd split an earbud. Between the two of us, we'd be, we just sit and nestle up bed. together in a bed <laughs> because we needed sound dampening. So and we then, sat in a uh-huh. bed. and then recorded by and Adam was on Skype. And then we would take the recordings for both we'd, of those. We'd record separately, yeah, in Audacity. And then we have to pull those together in Audacity, and then do a bunch of magic to edit them. Noise cancellation, and balance, balance levels, all that good stuff. Because we didn't have pop filters and stuff, we'd also go through and check by hand to see who is throwing peas in their popping. mic and go through and like limit these things a little bit. Yeah, delete some peas. It was a bit of a duct tape It literally took, it was a, it was like a three hour <laughs> editing process. Okay. Yeah. This is, this is not fun. And I think it rotated between the three of us. I think I was doing it for the first bit and then yeah, I, think I you were doing it. Did yeah. you ever do it? I did it for a while. You for a while? I passed it over to Adam. Okay. Yeah. So we sort of, we rotated around. So everyone sort of took the, you know, 
took the crux at some point. It was educational. It's very educational. Um, and then we were like, why are we doing this? Well, well, actually, then we got, so during that time while we were editing the podcast, we also got better gear underneath, right? So mm-hmm. at some point we got nicer, like some of the best USB mics you can get, you know, the the, the Rode Podcaster, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. if they also want to throw money at us, we will also take mm-hmm. that. Uh, but they currently are not. No, they're not, but they should. They should. Yeah. So the uh, so then we got we got better microphones, we got pop filters, we did all that stuff, and then made sure we were each recording separately so that it was easier to merge the tracks together and you know whatever. Mm-hmm. So we actually we were doing better underneath uh, until the the audio quality actually started to get pretty good. I think probably yeah, if you, mid twenties or something. If you listen to the podcast starting from the beginning, you will hear the you audio hear it quality. get better. Yeah. We we even did stuff like we were using the same mics in the first episode as we were around like the fifteenth episode. But we just figured out how to use them. Right. Yeah. Like, for example, where to put them. Have them right. close to, to your face. mouth. And right. a lot of this was talking to Fat Bard, yeah. our, our sound people. Yep. And then finally what came from that is after editing this and being like, we're spending an ungodly amount of time per week editing Making this a thing that we don't sell. Right. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? And then, and then we just sent a message to Fat Bard. We're like, could you edit this for us? He's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, it'll take me like 20 minutes. <laughs> we're like, what? And then he, <laughs> and then he did. So now, yeah, now he's history. part of a pipeline. Yeah. So now we we prep the we go through the questions, we prep it, uh, we record here in the basement, uh, and then we just we kick it over to Fat Bard, and and the rest is history. Mm-hmm. You know. So yeah. he edits it and uploads uh, it. To so yeah, word of advice would be if you can find somebody who knows how sound work mm-hmm. and have them do the soundy parts. Yeah, but there is a caveat there, which is that that is going to cost you some money. And podcasts do not make money unless you are mm-hmm. WNYC Studios. Right. So, or you know, just think of it as a hobby or yeah. something. It's I just, don't know. It's just it's something a, you're going to have to do. A lost leader. Yep. But yeah. Yeah, absolutely, if you're going to be recording podcast stuff, you're going to do it at home. No matter what, the most important thing is to get a pop filter. good fucking microphone and a pop filter. And it doesn't like, you don't need to buy a $800 microphone. I think the, the podcasters are like... I think they're those 200, are 200 like, bucks or something. I honestly couldn't tell they're the difference the between that thing. Well, and we, the meteor mic. mic is what we start, but the, the meteor mics are much worse at like picking like up room noise. noise. Right. So the, I think the sound quality is actually the same. It's just you have to be in a really quiet space for it to work. Um, yeah, so the meteor mics are, are a great bet. Um, those yeah. are, I think, I think, I think just importantly, whatever mic you get, understand how to use it yep. well. Get close to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Record room sounds. I mean, there's there's tutorials over the internet, so just look them up. But the, the main thing is get a decent microphone, use it properly. Learn how to use Audacity, which is free, uh, so you can properly get rid of background noise and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and then if you can do that, if you can put up a podcast that is engaging and the sound quality is good, um, then you can get people to listen to it. Right. No matter how good your podcast is, if the sound quality is crap, people are not going to... It's actually one of the things that I that I worry about with our own podcast is that our first episode... Is bad. The audio <laughs> quality is terrible, right? Yeah. So if people enter from the beginning, there's a good chance they do not continue because they're... That's why we sort it the other way. Right. Well, and, and, and it is, I mean, most podcast uh, apps also start. Most recent right? first. And that's actually how most people get into it. Podcast. It anyway, is funny so probably though. it's okay, but it is something to do. Yeah, there have been about. a few podcasts that I've started listening to that have many, many episodes over, you know, five years. Yeah, they or all whatever. start like crap. Yeah, and so it's funny because you, you you started the most recent one. You're like, oh, this is good. You know, I'm going to go back a little ways. So you maybe go back like 50 episodes and it's like, you can kind of tell. And you go back 50 more and it's even worse. Yep. And, you mm-hmm. know, the, the content is like questionably getting weirder as you go further <laughs> yeah. back. And, um, but it's, there's no, there's no excuse for that anymore because this is only true for those, for, I guess, for those people who don't know what they're doing and don't look into it like us. Yeah. Uh, or for those, those that have been around for a long time, back before people had kind of established what are actually straightforward methods to just to, to yeah. do. So if you're like, we're going to, if you're going to make a legit podcast, you know, just do your research, get an okay mic. You can, you can get a, a good sounding mic, like a meteor mic for like 80 bucks. Yep. Um, and probably some pretty good ones for you cheaper than that if you use them properly. Yeah, that's that's the, that's the caveat. And you most of that is be in a space that isn't echoey and get close to your microphone. Yep. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. That's about it. All right, next question comes from Security Risk, which we should probably look into this person. Sounds. Yeah. I don't. I'm do you think this, random is, check. this is sort of a, a an attack where if we read this question out loud, something... Ooh. Something will happen. Security number Probably some kind of a out. code, some kind of a code yeah. phrase. It would uh, be like one of those sci-fi episodes where our listeners' brains suddenly ooh. like get switched into like a Zoolander. Yeah. Or like uh, when a worm crawls in your ear and starts controlling you from the inside. <laughs> is that? Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is going <laughs> to oh, send I'm a signal of, to the worm. I'm thinking of the Animorphs. Uh, <laughs> security Risk says, I know you guys used Perlin noise. No, you don't. <laughs> he or she said that they know that. See, this is this is a classic 
hacking technique Fifth, of trying to fished, trying to get into the code of the game. Yeah. I know you guys use Perlin noise for infinite terrain generation, but what other interesting algorithms did you use when making crash runs? See, they're digging. They're digging yep. for mm. they're digging for code here. Okay, so first, we may or may not use Perlin noise. We may or may not. It's hard to say. Another thing we may or may not have done um, was we put together an automated system for generating the recipes. Yeah, which is pretty cool. cool. And we, we actually have talk a, about it. We have a YouTube video up about it. So uh, you should just look at it. I think it's just called Game Dev Chat Automated Crafting Systems. So if you want to know how that whole thing works, if you're like, how come this takes eight berries? Why not nine? Just look up that video and you'll know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what else do we do that's cool in Crashlands? Um, we did. I mean, we did a lot of interesting uh, stuff relating to, like, for example, we actually have it separated out where... Um, the content of the story is not coded into the game and we can mm-hmm. update the story stuff yeah. in real time and then send it to the, so we, like we could add a quest right now today and you would just have it and you would just have it, mm-hmm. which is a pretty cool thing. Yeah. I think, uh, but yeah, otherwise basically nothing interesting happened. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those things with programming, right? It's, it's uh, yeah, yeah. You will go find sort of well-established good solutions like Perlin noise to or some sort a of star. problem or a star for pathfinding, right? There are these like for particular kinds of problems, there are these general solutions out there. Uh, but for the most part, the stuff that you then have to tackle are just really weird and specific to your game. Right. And, uh, and as a consequence, you, you're inventing weird, cool stuff constantly. That's on a smaller scale and not nearly as cool as the invention of Perlin noise. For I example, guess it's right? hard to talk about, right? Cause it's like, how do you I made this one? It takes a lot thing. of context. To yeah. know why, also, why also, it's cool. But also at the time you're just solving a problem. Right. You're not, you're not in your brain documenting the extent to which the thing that you've just done is awesome right. and how generally applicable it could be. Right. Uh, you're mostly just trying to solve some really weird specific yeah. problem. I will say one thing I'm excited about, this is kind of, this kind of bridges the gap between Crashlands and our current game project mm-hmm. is the way the lighting system works. Yeah. So in Crashlands, basically we don't have a lighting system. We have a dark inverted system. darkening system. So, <laughs> so for example, if we want to make something red, we take the blue and the green out of it. Right. Yeah, which and now it's it glow. Now it's red, right. uh, which is weird. And do you also add some red back in? Nope. Okay. You can't add red if it's already max red. You can't get any more. Yeah, red yeah, if it's full know. red. But if it's not full red, you also yeah. add some redness. You can. No. Okay. I mean, if you want, you to could go. though. You could, but you that could. would require a shader. Yeah, which we can only take it out. We can only take color out, which is why sometimes <laughs> you'll see things in Crashlands that, like, if you if you bring, like, if you go into the bog. I think if you use a oh, is it the purple gr- torch, the purple torch or the green, the green torch, one. it would be a green. One, it's yeah. almost as if it's not doing anything yeah. because there is no green in the environment. So when uh, it's so like, it can't light anything. Yeah. There's nothing to bring green. Up. <laughs> there's no green. Actually, to add actually to. means all it can do is make things darker because it's pulling Correct. color out of the other channels, but there is no color in the third channel. Right. right. Well, no, it's so, it, so the way to work is like, so the, when the sun sets, when it's nighttime, um, we, we do two things. One thing is we sort of like put a, what you could kind of think of as like a dark sheet of paper underneath your feet, but on top of the ground, you just slide it in. We just kind of slide it under there. <laughs> well, you're not paying attention. And so that's, that's what makes the terrain look dark. Um, and then if you have a lamp or something like that, then we sort of like punch a hole in it and that's <laughs> like a colored hole. We punch into that. Mm-hmm. And Does this description make you guys understand why we feel like we don't know what the <laughs> fuck we're doing? <laughs> and so, so like when you're holding a torch, really it's like, we're just like drawing a, a blurry circle. Let's the color of your torch underneath there. So you can see the terrain through the <laughs> thing. So, um, so that's how that works. But then when it comes to actually illuminating the things on the terrain, those things are sitting above that sort of dark sheet of paper. Right. So the sheet of paper is under your it's, feet. The sheet of paper is slid in between the ground and all the things on the ground. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now we have to go in and item by item. So each of those things needs color to color those. Yeah, things they need to dark. know uh, what color they're supposed to be glowing. And so there's a there's a grid that exists, and the light that you're holding sort of like talks to that grid and says what color it's putting into each grid space. Mm-hmm. And so then if you have like a, an object that's sitting somewhere in the world, it's, it just looks down at the grid below it. And it's like, what color is this place? <laughs> and then it, and then it, it will uh, sort of override the darkness of the nighttime. And it will like, so if nighttime brings all of its colors down instead, it's like, Oh, there's a green torch. I'm going to leave my green alone but still drop out the other ones, right? Now it looks like it's green lit. Now it looks like it's glowing green when really it's just not glowing red red and blue. Uh, So the cool thing now is, and there there was a downside to that system, which is because the, it's like you can have cool glowing things on the the ground, right? So you have like torches and all this other stuff. 
But when it came to the terrain, we couldn't have cool, glowing terrain because we had this dark sort of sheet of paper. So for example, slid over the I mean, this happened a few times, actually. I think in each zone, at some point, I tried to make some, I would forget, and I'd make some tile, and I was like, oh, yeah, this should, this should glow. So it's like, we nah. can't because we're putting a sheet of paper over it. Yeah, I'm like, that's, <laughs> like it's just going to look like a weird, dark thing right. at night. Um, so lava, for example. Yeah. Can't do it. Yeah. And so with this game, we're going we're gonna to do a triple layer cake. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have the ground layer. Then we're going to have that dark sheet of paper. That dark sheet of paper. That's the lighting system. And then on top of that, we're going to do anything ter- that can go on the terrain that should glow. So if we have lava, for example, we can have like a glowy layer that sits on top of the darkness. Unaffected. By that darkness. is unaffected yeah. by the lighting system. So what it means for something to be glowing in a video game context is just that it's unaffected by darkness. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, this is the it, weird just, part. it just is whatever color it is, no matter what is happening around. Yeah, I think we it, talked so. last week about how we had. Yeah, it's the same as Flux's eyes, right? Because Flux's eyes seem to glow, but really, they're actually just not dark. They're just, they're just, they're just, just dark. blurry white circles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and at nighttime, we just don't make them darker, which makes them they get drawn glow. Yeah. <laughs> they, they don't get affected. This is what we're talking about. Like last week, so you're talking about. You know, it's weird because we had to invent time. And then, and then when you think through some of these things where you just ask the question, uh, like, what is, how does a seed grow? And then you get into it. And then with this, it's like, all right, we need to light things, but we can't. But it does, it does bear, it does bear (laughs) some sort of resemblance to what you see in the world though. Cause the thing about this, like when you're indoors and you're looking at a computer screen, you're like, this is bright. Right. Then you take it outside in the sun and you're like, I can't see shit. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's because Things don't necessarily have a fixed brightness as we perceive them. It's relative to what's around them. So for us to make a glowing thing, we just don't make it darker. And now it's bright. put dark (laughs) things around it. Put dark things around it. Now it's bright. So yeah. Everything's a lie. Uh, So so these are are the kinds (laughs) of cool things that we get to stumble across and be like, huh, that's funny. That's really weird. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, we'll, we'll probably have some more interesting tricks that come out of this. Sure. This next game. All right, I think we have time for one more question. Uh, question comes from Crazy Katana. Is it just I'm like assuming, a sentient katana that's local? I think it's probably like a clown because the crazy starts with a K. Oh, true. And that's yeah. sort of a signature clown move. Yeah. Um, so Crazy Katana says, you talked about in the last episode, the fear of community pressure defining your games. How do you guys balance informing the community of upcoming projects and creating unreasonable expectations? That's actually mm. it's a comment I made earlier. It's kind of in line with this, which is, I said, we should start putting up our screenshots, but not say anything, not say anything about exactly. it. Exactly. Right. Well, so it's, we, it's finding that balance of how do we show people that we're doing something cool without giving any enough information that they can be like, I want that exact thing. Yep. Right. But I think you also got to, you, because you also got to manage expectation. I mean, look at yeah. no sky. Yep. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you can't just put stuff up there and be like, think whatever you will about this because sometimes yeah, we got to hedge everything. Yeah. yeah. So, so I guess yeah. we like to just, we usually just say, actually, as you've probably noticed in the podcast, this definitely won't be in the game, but here's what we're trying to do right but now. But it looks kind of cool, right? <laughs> so it's it's about, yeah, it's just about tempering expectations so that, so that you can know that we're up to something cool. You can kind of watch its progress, but never never be confident that, that we understand. truly intend to make that thing right. exist. And we try not to make promises mm-hmm. because you never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And actually, we, we did this with a game called Captain. Yeah. That we started working on. We were three weeks in and we were like, this game's going to be super fucking cool. Yep. And then we so started the marketing push, started marketing push, made a bunch of announcements about it. And then a, within a week we were like, nah, I don't know about this game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the weirdest. Cause like we got coverage. This is after Quadrupus. So we ended up getting coverage in all the big mobile uh, news sites. Cause they were still excited. It was only like six weeks after Quadrupus, I think. Like, yeah, Quadrupus developers already announcing their new game project. And we had a couple Whoa. of these cool gifts with, with gifts. The, like mm-hmm. the Uhawk, which is just like these fuzzy bear people who were just like freaky looking. And it was just, we had put together their faces in such a way that they sort of were You can animate, you can animate their faces. Yeah, jiggling and sort of screaming. And that was the gift that we gave everybody was this, it just said Uhawk. And then it was this crazy looking bear face. People and were like, what is this? This is cool. I don't know. Ah. Yeah, <laughs> they're so excited. And then literally four days later, we were like, let's just let this die. <laughs> yep. So we just stopped talking about it. And just moved on. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the same thing with like Codename Brunch or some of the projects that we that we started talking yeah. about sort of the end of last year. And a lot of it's because we made literally no promises about what that thing was going to be, yeah. which means that 
and and we'll never reveal whether or not the thing we're working on now was that thing we were talking about mm-hmm. in the past, right? Because it doesn't have to be now, and and it's free to evolve. And I, and for a while, we we're also talking about Quadruplus Two, right? Which is the origin of the game that we're working on right now. But what we're working on now is not Quadruplus Two, but literally all the stuff. It's not, it's not like we were working on Quadruplus Two for a while, killed that project, started a new thing. We just it just kept. We evolving. let the project evolve yeah. and and didn't didn't use what we had said it was going to be to constrain what we were going to let it become. Yeah. So now it's its own thing. We'll be its standalone game. It's a new thing. We, we just don't, know what don't it really is. know what it is yet. Yeah. Yeah. But whatever. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, this has been coffee with butterscotch. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. And again, if you want to get your questions answered on the podcast, go to podcast.bscotch.net. Get a bscotch ID. Ask us some questions. Yeah. Uh, Right, and uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.